Let's open up. We're in Luke. And if you have a Bible, we're in Luke chapter 11. And we're looking at a message. I've never done a message called Mariology. That's a never, never, well, I've never done a study of Mary's life. What do you think of when you think of Mariology? You go, well, I just think of the study of Mary. That's what Mariology is. So that's what it is. We're going to study Mary's life because that's where we're at in Luke's uh, gospel. But I think when you hear Mariology, you also probably think of the Catholic Church. And uh, you can't really teach on Mary without um, uh, mentioning and talking about what the Catholic Church teaches about Mary. And I would just say this, if, um, if you're sensitive to that subject, I know we have lots of folks that uh, join us from a Catholic background. Please know, I, I, I have no desire to bash the Catholic Church. Please give me the benefit of the doubt. Uh, that's not my heart. I want to speak the truth in love. And I would even say, if you're really sensitive, make sure you hear the whole message. The last couple of minutes is the most important part of it. And so don't, don't think, oh, okay, that's too much. I can't hear anymore. Hear the end. May, may hear, hear the whole story. You know, and I was thinking of a picture of like, you know, if you go to another country and you pull out a $100 bill, they'll pull out a pen and they'll mark on your 100 bill to see if it's true, if it's real. You don't get mad at them for doing that. They're just doing their job. If you go to a bank and you bring in a $100 bill, they'll check to see if that's a true $100 bill. So that, that's all I'm trying to do is just point to what is true. And so give, uh, give, it, give it a listen. And let's talk about Mary. And it's in our text, Luke 11, verse 27. It happened. So um, as we just keep going chapter by chapter through the whole Bible, it happened as he, Jesus, spoke these things. He's just spoke about uh, the strong man. If you weren't here last week, maybe the most important message of the year coming out of the week of prayer and fasting on the unseen world, you'll want to uh, listen on our podcast. As Jesus spoke about uh, the strong man, overcoming the strong man, a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said, blessed is the womb that bore you. We, we would agree with that, right? The, the woman that God chose to bring the Messiah into the world, that she, her womb, that she bonded with that child. I mean, she was, Mary was blessed. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you, this bond she had, this intimacy she had with God in the flesh. Incredible. But blessed is that womb, those breasts. And so this is a reference to Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. There are a lot of Marys in the New Testament. This is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And what do we know about Mary? If, you, if you've gone to a church any time at all, you, you've heard plenty of three-point sermons. So this is a 20-point sermon. I don't know if you've ever heard a 20-point sermon, but we're going to look at 20 points. Um, and let's let you go, oh, I chose the wrong Sunday to come to church. Well, maybe. So Luke 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, this is our gospel. So as we're talking about Mary, we're just going to go back to how Luke begins and tells us about Mary. Every, everything we can know about Mary, we're going to look at today. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Here's our first point, to a virgin. And you'll see this all through the notes, it's going to go 1 to 20. And then um, if you want to, you can go on our app or our website. You can get these notes. You can have everything I'm going to say today. You can print those notes off or look at those notes. So you don't need to feel like you need to take notes. You can have that after the message. So the first thing we know about Mary is she's a virgin. That's the fulfillment of Isaiah 17 or uh, 714. If you know that prophecy, it's on all of our Christmas cards most Christmas that a virgin is 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah prophesied a virgin is going to bring forth a son. And now you're going to answer it. You're going to fill in the blank. And you are to call his name. Oh, you got to do better than that. You're to call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That's who this Messiah is. He's God with us. God became a man. 
And so um, uh, we see this first observation, a fulfillment of prophecy, but we also see that Mary was uh, sexually pure. So you can't read the Bible without knowing this is God's plan, that we remain sexually pure to marriage. God has such a good plan for a baby to come in the world into a, a, a home where mom and dad love each other and committed to each other for the rest of their lives. That's such a flourishing environment. Doesn't God, isn't God's plan good? So good. So we want to follow God's plan. She, she was waiting for God's plan. She was number two, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. And boy, as you get to know Joseph, he, he is a stellar man. He is a godly man. You read the story of Joseph in Matthew and you'll go, wow, I don't know that I could have responded the way Joseph responded. And I think that's our second point, that when it comes to choosing who you'll marry, M-A-R-R-Y, who you'll marry, it's so important that you choose somebody that loves God, that, that, is, that has a strong walk with God. That's probably the second most important decision you can make in your life. I love, I heard at one we, uh, wedding, they said, uh, they, they testified that God spoke to them, that just run as hard as you can after God, and the day that come, someone comes alongside of you running just as hard, you'll know that's the person for you. You want to marry somebody godly, like Mary fell in love with Joseph, and he, and he had a godly heritage. He, we read there that, um, that he's, she was betrothed to Joseph of the house of David, this godly heritage. Do you know that's the most valuable thing you can give your family? Generational wealth. It's, it's not duplexes or condos or houses or bank accounts or 401ks. It's giving them a godly heritage. And Joseph had a godly heritage. And uh, he, uh, he was, uh, uh, we read this virgin's name was Mary. And then verse 28, and having come to the angel, said to her, rejoice highly. So here's our third point. You're like, wow, okay, 20 points, we're going to make it. We're already on point three. Highly favored one is the next thing we learn about Mary. And that uh, favored just means uh, grace. It could be translated that God was showing Mary much grace. It was his unmerited favor that he chose her. Highly favored one. And then our fourth point, the Lord is with you. And the Lord was with Mary. A lot of times when we think of the Lord is with us, we're encouraged. Isn't that encouraging? The Lord's with you, Mary. She should be encouraged. A lot of times we think if the Lord is with us, he's going to keep us from anything hard because he's with me. And that's a mistake. From Genesis to Revelation, that's a mistake. Because God is a God that lets bad things happen to good people. It's in every book of the Bible. It's in every story. And God is with us, but he's not with us. I, I, when I got saved, I thought he would keep me from everything hard. That, that I quickly learned that's not what it means that he's with you. What it means is he'll take you through the hard things. You may be going through hard things even right now, wondering, you know, why is this happening to me? I, I'm trying to follow the Lord, and these hard things are happening. Well, think of Mary. Man, her life was about to get really, really hard Nine months pregnant, traveling 80 miles uh, to fulfill the Roman law. She had to get to Bethlehem. And then it gets harder and harder. She would be accused of fornication her whole life. The Jewish leaders would accuse Jesus of being born of fornication. That would always trickle back to Mary. Her son, it was supposed to be the greatest thing that ever happened. The prophecy was it would be like a sword going through her own soul as she was there next to the cross when the Roman soldier thrust the spear, spear through his side. So, yeah, the Lord was um, with her, but, boy, uh, he took her through some really hard things, but he was at work. God had a plan. You know, God never lets us go through hard things without a plan. He's always got a plan to work. He's always on the move. And you know, so often if we were God, we wouldn't move that way. But we're not God, and he's not made in our image. We kind of slip into that. And then we get upset with him because he's not doing it the way we would do it. 
But I believe with all my heart, God never lets us suffer needlessly. He's always doing a work. He's always got a plan. It's always higher purpose than what we're aware of when we're going through it. Maybe you could say amen to that if you're in a, in a really hard season. I believe that. And then blessed are you among women. We would say amen to that, right? Of all the women ever been born, we would, we would agree with that. This, this is all the study of Mary's life. She's blessed among women. Of every woman that's ever been born, wow, to get chosen to bear the Messiah, she was truly blessed. And we read on verse 29, when she saw him, the, the angel Gabriel, she was troubled at his saying and consider what manner of greeting this was and then the angel said to her our sixth point do not be afraid mary why would the angel tell mary not to be afraid what's going on if the angel's telling mary don't be afraid right you got to read between the lines she's afraid just like all the great men and women of god in the bible most of them they express fear when god's wanting to use them and lead them and work in their lives. They become fearful. And, and I think we can glean from that that it's normal that we become fearful. You're not alone. But I, I love the quote that says, faith is not the absence of fear. You know this quote? Faith. It's not the absence of fear. It's the overcoming of fear. Yeah, I feel fearful. God's asking me to pastor some church in Corvallis. You know, I, I don't know how to do this, or I feel fearful. God's asking me to lead worship as a 19-year-old, or, you know, whatever it is. But faith is overcoming the fear. And I put there uh, just the asterisk with the second next to it. I didn't, I didn't want to have 21 points is why I did that. But, um, but also, we already read that um, God had, been, had shown uh, favor. She was highly favored. So why does the angel have to tell her things over and over again? Because she's like you. Why does he have to tell you things over and over and over again? Because, you know, especially when it comes to the favor of God, we really struggle with being deserving. We know who we are. But that's the thing with grace. It's, it's not favor we deserve. Grace is unmerited, unearned favor. Well, let's keep reading. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, capital S, Messiah, and shall call his name Jesus. What does Jesus mean? It means Yahweh, which is the name of God. Yahweh is salvation. Who is Jesus? He's Yahweh, bringing salvation to the world. And verse 32, he will be great. He will be called the son of the highest, which means he's God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He's going to be the fulfillment of, of the uh, Davidic promises of the Old Testament, the promises given to David. And he will reign. He's going to sit on a throne. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob for, say it, forever. And of his kingdom, there'll be no end. If you reign forever, you're eternal. She's going to bring forth a son that's going to sit on a throne forever. That's God. Can't be missed. And so uh, it's here we um, see and we'll bring up as we talk about the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church refers to Mary from this passage and from what we know of the New Testament as the mother of God. In fact, we're going to just mention four things this morning that if you're a Catholic, Maybe you didn't know this. You're required, it's obligatory, that you believe four things about Mary. And one of them is that she is the mother of God. And I think I can accept that. I can, I can accept that truth. Mary is the mother of God. She gave forth to Jesus, who is God. Now, it's interesting, she's never called the mother of God in the Bible, She's called the mother of Jesus three times. Elizabeth called her the mother of my Lord. That's interesting because Jesus was in Mary's womb. And in Mary's womb, she was, uh, Jesus was Elizabeth's Lord. That's a whole other study on life in the womb, life at conception, Jesus being Elizabeth's Lord in the womb. But nonetheless, she's, uh, Mary has never called the mother of God. She is called the mother of Jesus three times, the mother of my Lord once. And, and then Paul one time says, in the fullness of time, Paul only mentions Mary once, 
God will bring forth his son born of a woman. So those are the references uh, uh, to Mary. And um, I'm okay saying that Mary, I, I do understand that point. She gave birth to God. But it's also can be troubling because it starts to go in the direction of exalting Mary in a way that she shouldn't be uh, exalted or to, um, you know, call her something that could be misconstrued. She's not the mother of God in the sense that she's the origin of God or gave birth to God in that way. So as we understand this, understand that Catholicism teaches, and I'll just bring it up, that Mary is not only the mother of God, but she's also your mother. And this is straight out, just straight out of the Catholic doctrine website. When she said yes to Gabriel at the Annunciation, she said yes to being Jesus' mother, and at the same moment gave her yes to becoming our spiritual mother. So that, that is not taught in uh, the New Testament, that Mary is our uh, mother. Catholicism believes that Mary, the mother of God, is seated as queen at the right hand of her king son in heaven and teaches that Jesus, as Jesus' mother, she's always listening and always ready to help us. So in Catholic churches all around the world, in Catholic literature, you'll see these images, and we'll just bring up just image after image. It's Mary with a crown. Uh, Hail Mary. There's another prayer that is, oh, it looks like I got the wrong picture there. Sorry about that. It's got a little uh, watermark across it. But, but the point being is uh, that there's all this imagery of Mary being queen. Hail Mary or Hail Queen Mary are the prayers you pray in the Catholic Church in her king son who's always listening and always ready to help us. So so we're just saying, as we study Mary's life, just so you know, that is not taught. Mary is not, nowhere in Scripture is Mary called our mother. Nowhere is she called queen, okay? Nowhere does it say she's at the right hand of Jesus in heaven. So just so we identify. So we'll talk about the other three things that's required as we go through this as a Catholic to believe. But let's keep looking at our, our study this morning in verse 38, then Mary said, and this is one of my favorite things, studying Mary's life, behold the maidservant of the Lord. Mary, you're going to bring forth a son. He's going to be eternal. He's going to sit on a throne forever. And what does Mary do? She says, behold, like here I am. I'm the maidservant. I'm here to serve the Lord. And that's the way we're going to finish the morning. I want that to be percolating in your soul and by the way, I do love teaching a study on a woman of the Bible. So often we teach a great men of God. It is fun to study the women of God. And I just think it's a, it's a way we're going to end today, but with following Mary's faith to just offer ourselves, God, whatever you want to do, I want to be your servant that walks, in what you have, that walks in what you have for me. And let it be according to your word. This is her faith. I'm going to believe your word. I don't know how this can happen. She says in this same text, I've never known a man intimately. How can this happen? But let it be. I'm going to believe. Even though it doesn't make sense, I don't understand. So often when God is moving, we don't understand. But we're just asked to believe. And Mary is an example in that. She says, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel de departed from her. And we read down a little further, verse 46 of Mary's song as she responds to God. And number 10, our 10th point, my soul magnifies the Lord or exalts or glorifies. And what we see here is Mary the worshiper. I love that uh, statue uh, out in front of St. Mary's when you drive through Albany. It's of uh, Mary singing this song. And, and the next verse is, uh, the next part of the verse says, uh, not only my soul magnifies the Lord, but my spirit has rejoiced in God. And it's, it literally means leaping and jumping. Like Mary is just leaping and jumping in response to what God wants to do through her. And that uh, statue out in front of St. Mary's captures that. I always glance over and look at that. I just love how she's just seen in that uh, piece of artwork as just, you know, a worshiper. 
And I, I just love this about Mary, to study her whole song and to study her worship. And then the 11th thing we see is that Mary says and refers to God as my Savior. And in a minute, we're going to read about her, how she acknowledges her lowly state. So what we understand that if you need a Savior is you're a sinner. And Mary knows that. She recognizes God is her Savior, saving her from her sin. We'll, we'll read that, the next verse, her lowly estate. So this is the second thing that as we study Mary and we identify what the Bible teaches, as a Catholic, the second thing you're required to believe as a Catholic all around the world is the Immaculate Conception. And the Immaculate Conception is the belief that the Virgin Mary was free of original sin. That she was, from the moment of conception, she was no longer a sinner. And that, uh, that she lived a perfect life, both free from original sin and free from personal sin. So uh, the, the scriptures, on the other hand, we can bring up that uh, picture that's there. So this is every December 8th, all around the world, the Catholic Church uh, believers uh, celebrate uh, the immaculate conception of Mary, that Mary was sinless. She brought our Savior into the world. God graced her with being free from sin. She was perfect. And then they, the Catholic Church goes into this whole um, teaching about how really Mary's like a second Eve. Eve was immaculate. She, immaculate means not stained, Eve was not stained. And Mary is like a second Eve, bringing in a new creation in Jesus. But, but those concepts are not taught in Scripture. What Scripture does teach, Romans 3.23, and Old and New Testament teaches all have sinned. All need a Savior. Until you recognize you're a sinner, you don't need a Savior. When you recognize you're a sinner, you need saved. And the Bible says there's only, and it's very clear, there's only one who's not sinned. He was tempted in all points as we're tempted, but he's without sin. Jesus, our high priest. There's only, God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us. But there's only one who knew no sin, that's Jesus. Not Jesus and Mary, but Jesus. So, so we understand that, that um, as a Catholic, you're required to believe that Jesus is the mother of God, and they're emphasizing that she gave birth, birth to God. Okay, he did. Secondly, he had an immaculate conception. That, you know, as you take the marker to the $100 bill, you don't find that accurate to Scripture. Let's keep uh, studying the life of Mary, and we'll point out the last two things that the Catholics believe about Mary that they're required to believe. But verse 48, she goes on to say, for he has regarded, number 12, the lowly estate of his maidservant. Twice she refers to herself as she's going to serve the Lord. And just how lowly. He found me in a, a low place. This isn't something I deserve, but he's been so gracious to me. Henceforth, number 13, all generations will call me blessed. We should call Mary blessed. She is blessed. There's none like her that have that privilege. So we, we um, I, I recognize that. When we study her life, we think, wow, wow, to have God in your womb. To, to, I mean, I, I just short circuit thinking of she nursed God as a baby. She raised and held his little hand and, and taught him. I mean, I just, you just short-circuit how blessed this, trying to comprehend how blessed this woman was. And, and she says, all generations will call me blessed. The 14th thing we see, verse 49. And she's quick here, isn't she? What, all generations are going to call me blessed. Why am I blessed? For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She's quick to give God glory. She's quick to say, I'm, I'm going to be blessed. Everyone's going to recognize me. But it's because of he who is mighty. He's done, it's his, he's done the great things. It's holy, holy, holy. It's him. So she's quick. I, we learn this. We glean this from Mary. Whenever God's using us, we're quick to point the glory to God. 
And then uh, we read on, we come over to um, Luke chapter 2, and I, I, may, I bet you've never thought this before, but these, this is quite remarkable. In verse 19 and 51, we read the same similar statements that Mary kept all these things, talking about the shepherds coming, and pondered them in her heart. So what do we learn about Mary if all this story about Elizabeth um, and the conversation with Elizabeth and the shepherds and the wise men, if these were all things that she kept in her heart, how are we hearing about them? Because she was one of Luke's resources. Luke's gospel is Mary's gospel. God used this woman in a way to bring the story. The, we wouldn't have the stories of the birth of Jesus if it wasn't for Mary. So God used this woman in a remarkable, remarkable way as we study her life. And then we just read a, a little bit more in Matthew's gospel, verse 25. And Joseph did not have sexual... That's the other Luke 2... In Matthew 1, we learn the story of Mary and Joseph. And Joseph did not have sexual relations with Mary. The 16th thing we learn, until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. So this brings up the third point that Catholics are required to believe that he's the mother of God, or that she's the mother of God, that she had an immaculate conception and was sinless. Number three is the perpetual virginity. Every Catholic around the world believes in the perpetual virginity of Mary. That is the belief that Mary perpetually remained a virgin after the birth of Jesus. She's eternally a virgin. She brought forth the Messiah. She brought forth God. And she remains a virgin perpetually or eternally. But what we read in our text as you go back to Matthew 125. Can we just back up? I hate Siri sometimes. Oh, Siri, you're driving me crazy right now. We go back, Joseph did not have sexual relations with Mary until, the biblical text says, until. In other words, after Jesus was born, they did consummate their marriage. And not only did they consummate their marriage, but in Matthew 13 we read, is this, and we can pull that up, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers? So biblically, it's very clear that Mary did not remain a virgin perpetually. He had four brothers, half-brothers, Joseph being their father, but not his father. And he had sisters. We don't know how many sisters um, he had. We're not told, but he had both brothers and sisters. And that's, for, that's repeated through the Gospels. We'll look at the other reference to that in a minute. And then it's really interesting that the last reference... The last time we ever hear Mary speak is John 2, 5. And I wonder if this isn't significant, the very last time Mary ever speaks in the New Testament. His mother said to the servants there at um, Cana of Galilee, by the way, that's the story twice she's called the mother of Jesus, not the mother of God, but mother of Jesus. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, I wonder if the Holy Spirit didn't intend that to be the last words Mary would ever speak. Whatever my son says, do that. Pay attention to his words. And that, that's what we're doing this morning is listening to God's words on this subject. And then the last time she's ever heard, John 2, the last time she's ever seen is Acts 1.14. Let's look at that. These all continued... Now, Jesus has just ascended up into heaven, and he said, you guys can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. Even though you've been with me for three years, it's only by the Spirit of God you can reach your world. So you're going to wait until you receive this power, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these all continued with one accord, that is, they were in unity, in prayer, and supplication with the women. We've talked about this many times, that Jesus had women followers. It's a marvelous study in the New Testament that was totally unheard of in his day. 
and Mary. She's, she's not called, and Luke doesn't call her and Mary, the mother of God. Luke says Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is the last we see her. She's, she's there with her children. Jesus has ascended. They're all waiting for the Holy Spirit. Mary's there. Her other children are there. So, again, it's very foreign scripture to think, it's a scripture to think that Mary would be a virgin forever. That's just, it's just, it's just not taught. And then this brings us to the fourth teaching that Catholics around the world are required to believe about Mary, and that is the assumption of Mary. What is the assumption of Mary? It's the belief that after completing her earthly life, Mary was assumed body and soul into heavenly glory. And this shows up in artwork around the world. Mary's assumption. She didn't, her body didn't see corruption. God, she gave birth to the Messiah and she ascended up into heaven. But the New Testament record is Jesus ascended to heaven, not Mary. We're not told that anywhere. So here's the reality. And again, I hope you can just hear the love in my voice. We're just trying to study Mary's life, but we're also in a world with a Catholic church that has very strong opinions about Mary. And I think it's important to understand that the Catholic church worldwide is different than the Catholic church in America. There is great pressure on the Catholic church to be biblical in America. And outside of America, if you've ever traveled outside of America, you see a far di different scene. You see, when you go down to Mexico, you see um, altars to, to the saints. It's really common uh, to be down there and lose your keys, and you're, you'll pray to a certain saint that'll help you find your keys, or whatever the need is. There's all these different saints that you pray to. And of course, Mary is prayed to. And, um, and the, the Catholics say that that's correct, that you should... Um, now, they say you shouldn't worship Mary, but they teach you should venerate her. You should be in awe of her. You should respect her. You shouldn't worship the saints, but you should venerate them. And the Catholic Church does teach that you're to pray to Mary. Why wouldn't you? We'll bring up a, an, an article later where I, I'll, I'll show you this, but why wouldn't you pray to Mary? The article we're going to look at later, it's a, it's a win-win to pray to Mary, to pray to the saints. You ask your friends to pray for you, don't you? Of course you do. Well, ask these godly people to pray for you. It's a win-win for you. But, of course, that's not um, what Scripture teaches. So, when you get away from America, you find the stronger teachings that Mary is a co-redemptress. Most of us have never heard that word before, but it, it alarms us. Jesus, my redeemer, Mary is my co-female redemptress. We can bring up that uh, book that we have the picture of. You can just Google a hundred different books like this. Mary, co-redemptress. Mediatrix, female mediator, and our advocate. So we can go back to co-redemptrix, co the, the paragraph that I'm putting before you. Mary, a co-redemptrix, this belief refers, and I think it's important, it doesn't mean she equally redeems you. Co doesn't mean equal, but rather with. That the Catholic Church will teach she's subordinate to Jesus, but essential part participation by Mary in redemption. And what they say in that is they're really just honoring her that if she wouldn't have said yes, you would have no Jesus. So it's, it's just honoring her to that place that she participates in the fact that you're saved because she said yes. But uh, again, we, we, that's alarming to us to be, uh, see her co-redemptress. And listen to this is out of just a Catholic.com uh, it says, but do not disregard Mary in this title of co-redemptress or any of her other titles. As many saints have cautioned, including doctor of the church, St. Bonaventure, who said, he who neglects the service of the blessed virgin will die in his sins. He who does not invoke the O lady will never get to heaven. Not only will those whom Mary turns her countenance not be saved, but there will be no hope for their salvation. No one can be saved without the protection of Mary. So 
um, these are not doctrines that Catholics are required to believe, but these are teachings that are widespread of Mary's uh, co- being a co-redemptress. And centuries earlier, again, you can just research this yourself, father and doctor of the church, St. Hilary of Portiers had this wise guideline, no matter how sinful one may have been, if he has devotion to Mary, it's impossible that he be lost. So again, these are this, this co-redemptress and these type of uh, sentiments would not be required, but, but it is outside of America, much wider spread that she's co-redemptress. And then the belief that she's uh, our mediatrix, which just uh, means, mediatrix means female mediator. And you could Google Mary, our mediatrix, and you can pull up the picture You'll just see tons of publications of she's mother, co-redemptress, mediatrix. She's, she's the female mediator. There's the portrayal of Mary, the queen in heaven, next to her king's son. And uh, the, these images are very, very common within um, um, Catholicism. But Mary, our mediatrix, refers to the intercessory role. You can bring that paragraph back up of Mary as a mediator in redemption by her son, Jesus Christ, and that he bestows graces through her. It's the idea that Jesus is the mediator between us and God. Mary's the mediator between us and Jesus. You can pray to her and she'll intercede for you to Jesus. And uh, of course, we all know and have heard the rosary, Hail Mary, which is prayed by um, Catholics all around the world every day. Hail Mary, full of grace. Um, The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. We would agree with much of this. Jesus, holy Mary, mother of God. But then we find her as the mediatrix. Pray for us sinners. And the Catholic Church teaches that it is good to pray to Mary, that that she's a wonderful person. She had this great role in history. Why not, why not ask her to pray for you? That's, there's nothing idolatrous about that, but it's just a really healthy thing to uh, have others that are godly pray for you. But of course, um, we know from 1 Timothy, there, there we can bring up the other picture that I had. So here's like, this is just a Catholic uh, publication that says, why pray to Mary and the saints? And the publication, and you can see there, I don't know where this church is in the world, but there's a statue of Mary, and there she is with the crown on her head. She's Queen Mary. Again, that's foreign to the, the scriptures. But this article just goes right on to say it, it, and they use the word, it's a win-win. Pray to the saints. Don't stop praying to God. Pray to God, but pray to the saints. There you got all these godly saints that you can be praying to, and, and why not ask your friends to help you? It's very, very subtle, but very contrary to the, the, the flavor of scripture. Because scripture says, uh, 1 Timothy will bring it up, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's a neat verse that we know that if you're here today and you're not saved, go back to the verse, that God desires you to be saved. God wants you to be saved. He wants you to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what we're trying to do today is speaking the truth in love I hope you can hear that. There's nothing in my heart that wants to bash or attack or, or ridicule, but just speak the truth. God, God wants you to come to the truth. What's the truth? You can go to the next part of the verse. This is the truth. One God. This is the heart of the gospel. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And we'll leave that up, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Right? There's one... One God, one way between God and man, one meter, not, not two mediators. Not God, repre- Jesus represents us to God and Mary can represent us to Jesus. It's very clear that there's just one mediator. And Jesus is the one who gave himself a ransom for you, for all. And I love this to be testified in due time. Because you know, every Sunday here, people get saved. It's the most exciting thing. Every Sunday, people get saved. And you know what that means is every Sunday, it's someone's due time. I've even had, there was even one time a, a girl has been in this church like 16 years, and she came up and said, I got saved today. You know, it's never clicked. 
And she told her parents she got saved. Her parents were angry. No, we raised her. We led her to the Lord. She was saved. She was saved. You're saying we did a bad job? No, I don't know why that is. That some people hear and they hear and they hear and it never clicks. And finally, the day comes and they rest all their weight on Jesus alone and they're justified and saved and righteousness fills their account and there's a change of heart and they know it. And I I wonder for you, I wonder, is there evidence that shows you're saved? Does your life show you're saved or just your words? What a scary thing if it's just your words. But nothing in your life really shows. There's no really changed heart. There's no love for God. There's no love for lost people. There's no desire to walk in all that God has for you. There's no grief over your sin. There's no conviction in your life. You watch filth. You, you, you speak filthy. I mean, there, there's no change. And, it, and it's the most exciting thing that the, do, the right time comes. Maybe this is your Sunday. Maybe this is the due time. Now, let me just finish with just a few thoughts here. Um, you know, I don't believe Mary would ever want us to pray to her or, or venerate her. I don't believe any of the saints would ever, based on what we know of Scripture. Listen to how the New Testament ends. Revelation 19.10, and it's a second time. I won't read the second time in 22.8. And John is receiving this incredible revelation. It's the first century. He can't help but to fall at the feet of this angel and start to worship this angel, this magnificent, glorious being. And the, he says, I fell at his feet to worship him. But the angel, he said to me, see that you don't do that. I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Right? We, I just, my job is just to testify to Jesus as an angel. That's, that's your job as the, the brethren. We have that in common. We testify to Jesus. Don't, don't worship me. And he says there, worship God. And this is a reference to Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, right? All prophecy is testifying to Jesus. All scripture points you to Jesus and no one else. And so this angel saying this, I would never want that. None of your brethren would ever want that. Don't worship me. Worship God. If you know the scriptures, they... They testify of Jesus. So I know Mary wouldn't want that. I know no saints that were godly people would ever want that. Let's look at just a last encounter with Mary, and and we'll just kind of work towards wrapping this up. But Matthew 12, one other instance, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold his mother, now through a certain lens, the queen, the bearer of God comes. I mean, through that lens, you behold his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. And then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers, again, Um, totally foreign to say that Mary's perpetually a virgin. We just could never say that from Scripture. But look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother, and I also have sisters, (laughs) And uh, uh, my brother and sister and mother. And so it's, it's really a really strong biblical message. Jesus doesn't leave us with this reverence and veneration and looking to his earthly family. But Jesus leads us focused on the church or the, the family of God that's all doing the will of God. The spiritual family is the church. And so let's just finish our, our text that we, we started this whole study of Mariology. We've covered 19 points so far, and we'll look at the 20th point. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd, we started with this, raised her voice, said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast who, which nursed you. And then th- this is just phenomenal understanding on this subject of, of who Mary is and what we believe about Mary. 
But he said, here's our 20th point. Jesus said, more than that. More blessed than the woman that bore me. More blessed than the woman that nursed me. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. I don't, I don't know if we can digest this. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? We would all say, wow, Mary is so blessed. And Jesus is saying, you'll be more blessed if you'll hear his word. You, you realize that? You, God will use you in such a world-changing way if you'll give entrance to his word in your life and you'll start trying to do it. I've often thought as I you know, grew up, got saved, God started getting hold of my life, I often thought of how do I get a hold of the word of God? I want to get a hold of the word of God. And, and I, wanted, I want this. I want God to use me in a, in a great way. I want, I want to hear his word. I want to try to do it. Well, I want, don't want to be a hearer. I want to, as much as I can. I read it. I hear it. I go to church. I study. I want to put things into practice and pull up this image. This is a picture in my heart over the years I've walked with God, now 30-some years, of how do I get a hold of the Word of God? Well, you can hear the Word of God, and you'll be blessed. If you get to hear all the things Jesus says, all the the Word of God, you'll be blessed. But if you really want to get a hold of the Word of God, if you only hear, that's about how big of a hold you're going to have on the Word of God. But if you'll start reading... Right, so this is going to start March 5th. For all of you that you struggle reading, I just struggle. I've walked with God. I just don't read. Never read consistently. The Word of God is just never getting into me regularly, daily, like the Scriptures teach. I would encourage you to get signed up for that. Eight weeks accountable that I'm going to be, it's a chapter and a half a day you're going to commit to reading for eight weeks so you can start this discipline in your life. And we, it may fill up. I don't know. We'll have a number if it gets too big. Um, we'll just say that's, a, that's good for this time through. So get signed up for that right away, but you can go back. If you're just hearing the word, if you're reading the word, you're going to get that strong of a grip on the word of God. But if you start to, as Paul told Timothy, study the word. Start to study it. Start to dig in. Make sure you go to a church that's studying the word. Learn how to study the word for yourself. It's, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a, you start to mature. I don't, I'm not just hearing it and doing it. I'm, I'm hearing it. I'm reading it for myself and doing it. I'm studying it. I'm not just listening to some church tell me this is what I believe. I'm studying it for myself. This is, we never want to be those that this is just what our church tells us to believe. We want to search the scriptures daily, Acts 17, 11, to see if these things are true. You've got to study it for yourself. But if you want to get even more of a handle, start memorizing you know, I was an electrician, and I had a teacher's key ring, and I was sensing God wanted to use my life, and he was leading me to get a hold of the Word of God. And I would print out little scripture cards or write out little scripture cards and put a hole punch in it and just added dozens and hundred, over a hundred memorization cards. So many cards that I couldn't put them all on my ring at one time. And I'd go to work as an electrician, and I would take a handful of those cards, and I'd put one down, and I'd plug and switch and memorize that card, and I'd go to the next plug and switch and memorize that card. And you just, if you want to get a hold of God's Word, you'll, do, you'll hear it, you'll read it, you'll study it, you'll start to memorize it. And last of all, and I think you could say if you want to get a hold of God's Word, you could also turn that. If you really want God's Word to get a hold of you... You meditate, Psalm 1, on his word day and night, and you'll be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. What, what, what is that a picture of? Anybody here want to be a, a tree planted by rivers of living water? And listen to the promise. It's, it's almost too much to believe. And what, 
whatever he does will prosper. Right? You want to get a hold of God's word. And you want to let God's word get a hold of you. This is the promise. Bring it back up the last time, verse 28. Yeah, her, her womb is blessed. Her breasts are blessed. But more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And let's stop here. And uh, Lord, would you just keep working in us that we're those people that love the word of God and hear the word of God. And just, Lord, all the ways, would you just awaken this church to that we, we want to be those blessed people that you're using in the world. And, Lord, that we just keep hearing and doing, and we keep reading and doing, and we keep studying, and now that's what I do. And we keep memorizing, and it becomes part of us. And we start meditating, and you just, just allow us to chew all the nutrients out of your word to make us the people that you want us to be. And I, I just wonder if as we're closing, I wonder two things. I wonder if for someone this isn't your due time. This isn't your time to rest all your weight on Jesus and ask him to change you and to change your heart and to save you, truly save you. Because if you don't know that that's happened, pray that. In fact, why don't you pray those words out of our text, Lord, I want to come to the knowledge of the truth. One God and only one way, one mediator that can save me. Why don't you pray that? I want to, I want to come to the truth, Lord, about who I am, and the truth of who you are. And you could pray that, Lord, save me, change me. And then last of all, I want to leave us with Mary's words, behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let's just finish with having that heart that Mary had. Lord, here I am, your, your maidservant. If you're a woman, why don't you pray that? Lord, here I am, your maidservant. Here I am, Lord, a woman that wants to serve you. Pray that if you're a woman. And if you're a man, why don't you pray, Lord, here I am, your manservant. Here I am, Lord. Behold, here I am, Lord. I want to serve you with my life. Let's just finish that way, just gleaning from Mary. Here I am, Lord. And Isa, why don't you lead us? And let's stand up. We're going to sing one song, and then we're going to come to the communion table. But let's just respond to God before we come. Okay, we'll just wait on communion. Let's just respond to God.